Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Voices of Two Blocks podcast. My name is Jeanette. And my name is Hermela. We are here with a very special guest, Mayor Sambal Siddiqui, who is the current mayor of Cambridge. Today, we welcome you all back for season two and cannot wait to share what we have in store. We will be discussing a new entity today, which is the local government and the stances and perspectives the and perspectives of our elected officials. And as always, we will be addressing our through line question, can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? So hi, Mayor Siddiqui, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So we just wanted to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about who you are and your path to becoming the mayor of Cambridge. Yeah, sure. I'm really happy to be on your podcast for season two. Uh, a little bit about me. I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. And when I was two years old or around, we came here. Uh, I came here with my mom, my dad and my twin. Um, and we really came here for a better life um, for the my family. And that's why my parents wanted to come here. And, you know, that can mean a lot of different things for different people. And for my parents, um, you know, they got here and they faced a lot of different barriers uh, there, despite the fact that my dad had two degrees when he arrived, he had to work two jobs for, you know, for over 20 years. And my mother, mother also worked nonstop. Um, but, you know, we were really lucky to be in Cambridge. We were able to get into affordable housing in Cambridge really early on. Uh, and so we had that access. And so Cambridge kind of plays a really big role in who I am and how I got to be mayor. I remember at Range when I was a high school student, I was involved in the Cambridge Youth Council, uh, which is still around, you know, over 20 years later. And uh, I remember going to City Hall and sitting there and uh, thinking about, oh, wow, look at these city councilors listening to me. And it seems like a cool thing to do. And I just had that in the back of my mind. Um, and, you know, flash forward many, many years, I've gone to college now, I've gone to law school, uh, I moved back to Cambridge in 2014, which is only, what, eight, nine, eight, eight years ago, it's going to be nine years ago, I moved back and kind of got reinvolved in Cambridge, um, joined some nonprofit nonprofit boards and kind of just started to know the community again. And then 2016 happened and the election, the Trump election happened. And, you know, I saw the spike in Islamophobia, just all the nastiness that was coming out. And I started to think about, okay, what would it look like for to run for office and try to make a difference locally? Because I really wanted to do work around policy and I also really liked working one-on-one -on -one with people. So I felt like elected office could combine those things that I loved. So here we are, like I ran for office, I did a training program uh, and, you know, there were some barriers, but I think my biggest strength was just connecting to the community where I grew up uh, and, um, you know, my legal background, my lived life experience, my, you know, the fact that I've also been influenced by so many policies um, has been a really great asset to being uh, in elected office and then being mayor. Awesome. Yeah, that's super inspiring because that's something that are, those are my personal goals as well. Like I've grown up in Cambridge my entire life and looking as someone wanting to get into policy and politics as well. Um, it's really inspiring that the same city you grew up in, you're now a leader of. So that's really amazing. So 
With that said, um, we wanted to know a little bit more about your experience as a CPSD student yourself um, and what you felt as a student at the time and even now being a chair on the school committee. What do you feel are the strengths and weaknesses of our district as a whole? So. Sure. Yeah, I love that the fact that I've gone to the Cambridge public school system. Uh, I think some of the strengths for me were really personally my teachers who I had, my guidance counselor who really believed in me. Um, and, you know, the theater program, I was a theater kid. So I did theater throughout the four years, even though my mom and dad were like, why aren't you doing math or you doing science you know, at the math club? I was like, no, thanks. Um, but, you know, as a whole, I think one of the strengths of the district is, you know, the ability to create programs and initiatives to address numerous uh, inequalities in, in our, um, in our school, community, school community. That being said, I think one of the weaknesses is also uh, executing uh, those programs under strong leadership and making sure we're adjusting the program to adapt to our students' needs and concerns. And so I see this as chair of the school committee, as you mentioned. So I'm always thinking about ways, um, you know, to improve our schools and to improve working um, at the schools. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things that I've most recently worked on has been around the early college program. Uh, and that gives high school students the opportunity to take college courses at Leslie University while earning uh, high school um, and college credits for free. And so this is actually the first full year of the program. And we're hoping that from, we'll see that this program helps our low-income students and specifically, you know, more students of color graduate from college early and in less debt. And so, you know, the problem that we're trying to solve there is that we know that there's a growing cost of high, uh, higher education and it's been a barrier for students to actually graduate college. We see that in the numbers. Um, and so, you know, we want to make it easier. Uh, and so we're also, one of the things I'm focusing on is implementing a free community college fund for students in Cambridge. That's breaking news. <laughs> so, I, you know, we haven't, we're working on it. We haven't really broadcast it. Um, and hopefully growing the fund for student, students attending public colleges as well. And so, you know, scholarships are not the only method to overcoming barriers towards college retention, but, uh, you know, you know, we know that a community and support from a trusted mentor is also necessary. So uh, I think that is something that I'm excited about. You know, other things that I think we've done well is um, that, you know, because I was involved is, you know, one of the issues that families and students brought to me was around um, the lack of halal food in our schools. And, you know, it was eye-opening for me because they were coming to me saying that they had gone to the principal, they'd gone to teachers and they felt they weren't being heard mm -hmm. uh, and there wasn't a solution. And so we were able to work together and there was a really, there was an easier option. There were a lot of our meat, our meat vendor, they have halal food option. And so um, it, it, we figured it out. I mean, it's still not like an everyday thing, but it's more than most places do. Mm -hmm. We're one of the few places in the country that offer that. And so, um, and the same goes for, you know, helping people advocate, um, you know, for it, it related to, you know, lack of a prayer space, um, you know, prayer rugs um, and, and so forth. And so uh, it's been good to really be able to advocate, but I also think that there's so much the schools are concentrating on that, 
our, we lose our focus and we need to, you know, less is more sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, that's in a nutshell, I think those are some of the strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the things that you mentioned, we also relate to as well, being students in the district. And one thing you really talked about was the innovation of our community. And I think that, like you said, there are so many student initiatives that are happening that were happening. Like you said, the CYC was one of them, was one of them. But there's also a bunch happening now. There are also one you mentioned was Leslie and Jeanette and I are actually both part of the Leslie program. And I know we're really like excited to be in that program. So I think that there's so much good coming out of the work that's being done in our community. But then there's also that point you brought up of execution Mm. and how that's kind of being carried out, whether it's the lack of student voice or the voices of those who it's directly impacting, not really being focused on, as well as like making sure that kind of gap in the achieve, like fixing that achievement gap is kind of resolved, I feel like is a recurring theme that we see in our district and that we want to focus on. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think one thing that I also just being a student in the district, um, I also see this a lot is that there are things being done. I don't want to discredit because there is changes being made and, mm-hmm. and implemented. Um, but I think, again, that whole piece of execution is really huge because as a really well-rounded city as Cambridge is, we have all these resources and immense amount of kind of partners within our community, such as Kendall Square and our educational institutions. But using that to leverage our greater good for our community, I think that's something that we need to dial in. in. And like you said, like the Leslie program, that's a very amazing example of something we are trying to push with two blocks as well is mm-hmm. creating access and pushing access for lower education, um, lower income and providing exactly. more accessibility to students. So I think that's a very amazing initiative. And I this is my second year partaking in that program. So I really have enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see many more students benefit and take that place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I love how represented that program makes us all feel. Um, moving on to the next question. We talked a lot about the strengths that our city, our school district has with the partners that we're kind of connected with, but also as a community in itself. So we wanted to ask you, how might the city use its various strengths to leverage our resources and provide a more equitable experience for our youth? Sure. So, you know, I think being in Cambridge, what people, you know, when they look at it, what it's, you know, one thing that doesn't come up necessarily, but is really a big, powerful uh, thing is that our budget, right? Our budget is about, you know, $800 million dollars. And the Cambridge School Public Schools has a large budget, which, you know, for FY23 uh, was, you know, over $232 million. Uh, And that's an increase from last year. And I think, um, you know, the budget proposal also includes, you know, money from the federal government and so forth. And so I think the city is really invested in making sure that the schools have what they need. And I think you know, the money is kind of the the easy part, but then it's like, what happens with the resources and where are they being used for? A lot of the school budget is used for salaries, right? A bunch of it. And then it's like, okay, what else do we do and how do we decide? You know, and I think having, I I really appreciate the school 
trying to get feedback on our budget, you know, in the city budget process, no one comes to give public comment, like no one even knows. And so the fact that like we have some engagement on the school budget side is really important. Um, so specifically, I think what the city can do as it relates to just young people, I think we have, we're working towards universal pre-K and that is going to be a huge investment. You know, that is going to be probably 20 million Mac, you know, minimum to have a universal pre-K uh, program um, in our in um, in Cambridge. And what is universal pre-K, right? There's a lot of different definitions, but but basically saying, you know, if you're three years old and then hopefully we'll get to four-year-olds, you can go to a preschool for free, right? Mm-hmm. And what we know about that is if you have good pre-K, you're much more likely to be um, successful and um, you know you know you you talk about those third grade reading scores those math scores mm-hmm. all that stuff pre-k has been shown to really um, really being that being an equalizer for uh, for our youth so I think um, universal pre-k is something that the city has to do to benefit our youth um, you know other things that we really need to focus on with our resources is to think about you know the how to address all the learning loss that's happened during the pandemic um, because there has been, uh, you know, there have been significant issues related to that. And also, you know, overall well-being and mental health issues that so many of our students are facing. And, you know, we've been using our funds um, to, you know, provide each elementary school, you know, one interventionist and, and one parent professional and having just kind of more adults in the room um, to, to give that small group instruction, the individual um, intervention. And that's a really unique thing we'll be that we're able to do. Um, you know, as I mentioned, the early college program is money that, um, you know, we've, the, the school has used uh, money for. We've also, uh, you know, been funding a dedicated SEL social worker, um, and a director, um, uh, SEL director at the high school. Uh, we were able to hire an additional social worker. Um, so these are some some steps, but it's not, you know, it, it's kind of like, what is our overall strategy? We are doing an equity um, audit of our budget and how we've used that. And so I am curious what it will show uh, and because it seems like we spend a lot of money per pupil mm-hmm. um, compared to the state, but kind of the achievement gap that you get, you all discussed, it's this persistent, it's, it's, it's not just Cambridge, I'll, get, I'll say that, but it just seems like in Cambridge, why, how, why haven't we solved it? And so I, that keeps me up at night because I'm like, what is happening, you know? And so we're doing some work around the school committee. You know, there's this work around individual uh, school success plans, you know, my cap. There's a lot of things happening, um, but the city, you know, the city, I think, really does care about what what happens to our youth. And I think going back to my initial point, the number most important thing we can do that we'll see results later will be universal pre-K. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. I think for just even someone who has followed just like the statistical side of the school district for a while, seeing that per pupil spending being very, very high considered um, 
like in in terms of like our position within the state and then again comparing those achievement gaps and how that all lays out that's also something that we're very curious on seeing how that has an influence or has an impact on the spending that goes on um on that point i think one thing that in two blocks we've been like exploring and wanting to somehow implement or get feedback on is we've created this framework called Pathways to Potential. So basically what it is, it's a career awareness trajectory for students. So a lot of the time when we think of students getting aware of careers, we tend to give think of like internships at the high school mm -hmm. level, which is great, but we feel like it starts way before that and yeah. work needs to be done way before high school to even get students prepared and aware. So that's exactly how we've broken it down. So we've literally started at the kindergarten level and making students excited and aware of the, the opportunities right here in their own community, especially ones in their own backyard, such as the Kendall Square Innovation Sector. So we've broken it down from the K through five. So elementary is awareness, um, exploration is in the middle school level, and then immersion is when the high school. And something in past episodes we've always talked about is even as being high school students right now, four years seems like a lot of time, but it's really, it's really not, not to dial in and think about what you want to do next and what you're curious and interested in. So I think this like pathway, if you will, will really help students get them excited for what they can and 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 can reach, you know. Um, I think as a student who grew up going to Cambridgeport, being really close to Kendall Square, a lot of the students in my classes had parents who worked in the innovation sector, but a lot of students don't even know what goes on within it. So mm -hmm. students don't even know that Moderna and Pfizer are right next door and they're the creators of the COVID vaccine, you know? Mm -hmm. So those like small little like things, like those have a really big impact on students. Um, and even like, if we bring this back to like the whole equity thing, um, I feel like recently equity is one of those advertising terms when yes. you see everything being stamped in equity, 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 and moving equitable. away from equitable. Yeah. You know? So I think equity for us as a district and as a city, we need to walk our talk with that. I think equity is an amazing thing and it can be reached and it has been reached in many instances. Um, like you mentioned, like providing access to halal food and, and meats for students and even like, um, Recently, like a couple of weeks ago, the Office of Equity and Belonging creating like prayer spaces for students in schools. So those are steps towards equity. But I mm -hmm. think there's a lot more work to be done under that umbrella that we can reach. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, building on top of that right now, we're doing a lot of work with equity. I mean, I think that the district is doing an amazing job with that. But we also have to realize that some of the issues are actually systemic. Mm -hmm. And in a way, they're not which we shouldn't be surprised that they're showing up now because they were really embedded like much like way before this journey even began yeah, yeah. so like when we talk about this high people spending but this achievement gap still existing at the high school level we also have to notice how we're kind of helping students out in the younger levels so from k to like eighth grade to middle school mm -hmm. and just like seeing how what we're doing at those certain like very developmental points in children's lives are impacting like how these achievement gaps turn out I think is a really important statistic yeah. and that's why like through these pathways to potentials and like you said universal pre-k I think these are all steps to making sure that we lay a solid foundation for students to mm -hmm. really see themselves reflected 
in the work that they're doing. And something we always say is that how many students in the CPSD district can see themselves reflected in Kendall Square and be able to walk into Kendall Square and feel welcome and like they're able to work there. And I mean, at the moment, we think that number is relatively few and we want to make sure that students know what's out there for them and kind of see Kendall Square as an opportunity for them to kind of walk into. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's a lot to equity is a big topic. Mm. We can't just sit here and and talk about it because we can go on and on and on, you know. So with that said, I think moving on to our next kind of realm of this issue is the whole notion of like statistics and and even like you you brought up the point of we we don't as a district we can never a statistic we're always looking for and trying to find is how many students that have graduated through CPSD or CRLS have gone into the innovation sector in Cambridge mm -hmm. and that is not traceable anywhere to this day so that's something we want to advocate on behalf of is how are we following our students not just after high school like during high school but after and seeing how those students can be resources for the next generation mm -hmm. so that's something we want to leverage so last a couple of weeks ago we were at the kendall square association annual business meeting um and we were really inspired by how highly the panelists spoke about kendall and the amazing innovations that are taking place with that said we could only wonder what some some Someone who lived in the port, which is right next door, might say about Kendall, what can we do as a city so that our neighboring communities can have equal access to opportunities in Kendall Square? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where like 20 years ago, <clears throat> I remember what Kendall was and it was nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there were just parking lots and it was just, it's just a, such a, I was just in Kendall earlier today for, at the Broad Institute and, um, you know, you know, I think generally to your question, you know, we can't fail to recognize like that, that there's drastic differences between the Kendall community and, you know, who has access to it. And if our community members have access to it, particularly from the port, um, you know, I think Kendall Square does help who our city is, right? Because we have to be honest, right? 60% of our taxes you know, the residential and commercial, right? So they're coming from like kind of this innovation and, and this, um, you know, all, all the things that are happening, um, you know, and I think the businesses that are in Kendall, as you've said, they play this national, international role with their innovation. And, um, you know, on the local level, I think my office, we've been able to work directly with those businesses um, that work with the city. Um, and, and I think, we have to really be intentional around making sure that they're benefiting our residents, right? So I have a few examples of how I've utilized um, that partnership. And the thing is, I think one thing we as a city, Cambridge can do more of is ask for stuff, you know? And I think we don't ask enough. Uh, and I think, sure, they have a responsibility, of course, but we also wanna be have goals of what we want, right? And so, when COVID hit, you know, obviously these companies were able to provide funding, right, for the Mayor's Disaster Relief Fund. Takeda did $2 million. Biogen did $1 million. I mean, Biogen should have done more, but that's okay. <laughs> Considering it all started there. Anyway, um, but, you know, they they stepped up and they, we, you know, 
they were willing to help and contribute. And that money went directly to to benefit our residents. You know, Mm -hmm. another um, thing that um, we were involved, Kendall, in was our um, guaranteed income pilot, which was is ending in February. uh, And it's for 130 single caretakers who've gotten $500 a month. And all that money came from private sector. So it came from these companies and others. I mean, again, they could have done more, but the reality is, um, you know, that work and being able to do that pilot has now um, turned this pilot into an expansion. And actually in, in a few months, January, February, we'll be rolling it out that we're going to be providing $500 a month over 18 months to all poverty, all families living uh, under 250% of the federal poverty line. And that's over 2000 families who will be getting this assistance. And so, you know, I think, you know, it wouldn't have been possible to do some of these things without Kendall. Um, so my hope is that like, we can continue to encourage these companies to be more active members in the greater Cambridge community and hold them accountable, right? I was just at a ribbon cutting last week or two weeks ago, and I was talking about Kendall and the guy, the owner came up to me after, owner or whatever, founder, and he came up and he was like, you know, I'm a total socialist. Like I would love to support the city, you know? And it's like, there's a lot of people like that, you know? And I, I wanna ask these folks like, hey, okay, are you hiring, um, you know, taking interns, right? Are you taking, mm-hmm. you know, any high school interns? You know, what, what does kind of, what can you offer us, right? And there are organizations that will take, um, you know, take our students and, you know, I think the pathway though starts early, you know, I think to your point, middle schoolers, we should be going to the nano center at MIT. I went and I was like, what is this? And one of the scientists said, you know, I first became exposed to this stuff when I was in like, when I was 12 years old. And here I am at MIT, right? And so I think the more we can do field trips, we can bring, you know, students there and bring, you know, the poor community, you know, if there are residents who can apply to those jobs at Decatur, I've connected a lot of residents to the MIT Job Connector to get resume help, to say, look, you have some educational background, you know, get your resume in shape, you know, apply to these companies, learn about what you may need. And we have to build that pipeline. And that is the challenge. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, I feel like initiative is something you've really been talking about. And we really agree with as well. You mentioned that a lot of people from the private sector have been helping the city when it comes to COVID. And we think that's amazing. But I think it also comes down to those of them who say they want to do something, but the conversation stops there. Mm. And that's where we think initiative is really important and being able to create that dialogue to make sure that the those people who say that they want to help are able to do that. Because as a community, obviously, we'd love their support, the school district, the neighborhoods, all of it. And I think that really sitting down and kind of being able to create that communication, break those barriers and make sure we are able to ask, oh, what can you offer? And making sure that like on the receiving end, we're able to use the resources that were given adequately and they're able to provide them as well. I think that's really huge. And we also want to make it equitable. So I think that all of these points really tie into how we want to be able to communicate with Kendall and kind of gain the resources that we need as a city to make sure that we're all benefiting. 
So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we just wanted to add on quickly. So this kind of ties into the question from before, but as a kind of call to action, what would you say to the member to the members of the Kendall Square business community who are listening right now and to members of Cambridge's school and city government when it comes to working on connecting our different sectors for the benefit of us all? Yeah, you know, I'll call on them to be a partner in making our city a better place uh, and making it better for our children and families. You know, I think a lot of corporations want to play a role and they need to be given the tools and direction and more specific direction. And I think here in Cambridge, one thing we do well that can be even better is our mayor's um, summer youth program. And, you know, one of the companies that I spoke to a while ago, they had Boston kids. They had no one from Cambridge. I was like, what? And so I made that connection happen. It was so simple, but it's so many companies that do do exist and they should be working with the city. So um, I want our corporations and businesses to take more interns and create pathways that will lead to skills and careers for, you know, our residents. Um, and I think, you know, I also think that corporations and these big companies can be providing more financial means towards various programs and initiatives in the city, you know, like our scholarship programs, you know, or, you know, donating to initiatives like, the, and we do a gift card drive and, you know, I'll be going to them for this community college fund <laughs> um, and uh, really investing in, uh, actually investing in our students. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think previously you brought up this point of like, we as a city need to be asking more directly. And I think that's mm -hmm. a very interesting point because I feel like a lot of the time we we get lost in the means of just like wanting to stay in our own lane. Like obviously mm -hmm. the businesses are in business to do business and the school is in business to do to educate students, you know? Yeah. So we often get like so dialed in, which is great that we're so focused on each other, but I think we get, we, lo we lose touch that we can be helping each other. And I mm -hmm. think that's the issue at hand here is that we have this amazing, not no, like nowhere across the, the nation, we have a city as diverse, like with resources as Cambridge, where we have this innovation sector and we have these high educational institutions right in our city. So I think we need to be leveraging that more and they are doing the work. Again, we don't want to discredit the work that's being done both with monetary value being put onto issues and the help that they are giving to the community. But as always, there can be more done. And that's what we're trying to engage the businesses in understanding. And we've been looking at this through the lens of like CSR and CSV, um, which is a Harvard Business School like methodology of approaching how corporate entities um, approach like business and social problems within communities. So mm -hmm. that has been an interesting lens to to compare and contrast through. So obviously we know you're a very busy person, so we don't want to keep you for too long. <laughs> so we just want to end off by asking you with our through line question that we always ask is can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? Why or why not? I do think that corporate entities can play a greater role in our education. Uh, I think the examples that I'd give for how they can is to um, help with things like a community college fund, um, to help with kind of the scholarships, uh, 
the reality is it's hard to go to a four-year. I'm not saying that's the right option for everyone, but um, even if it's like a trade school, other ways to connect um, students and their life paths and their journeys, uh, I think they can. And, you know, in Cambridge in particular, when I look, think about Moderna, I think about the Broad Institute, you know, the Broad Institute, Mm -hmm the lives they've saved, right? Like with all the testing, everything that they did for the city um, and really frankly, the world with their their amazing testing program. I mean, the people who work there, they've been working there for years and I would love for our students um, to, to know and get to know the Broad Institute and be involved and so they can end up at a place like that. But right now we don't have a great mechanism of make, connecting and making those relationships. but. I think that's, I feel like my role and the role of other elected officials is to make that connection, to say, hey, we'd love the Broad Institute to, there's a, they have a, they have a museum and they're like, we'd love students to come to the museum, right? Um, and so it's one of those things, I think there is a role for corporate entities. And I think in Cambridge, it can be stronger to help um, our, our students just have better lives. And that could be meaning, you know, maybe they have more money to go to school. Maybe they'll have a job lined up. Maybe they'll just have a good connection and a mentor at one of these institutions that can really play a role um, in their life. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, there are so many ways that these entities can help us out as students. I mean, the obvious answer to this question should be yes. And the step going forward from here, like you said, is creating that mechanism or that pipeline that we talk about a lot at Two Blocks, which connects the entities that are in these corporations and the like school community, the students, essentially, and making sure that there's a systemic way that these opportunities can reach these students. And just kind of like we said, going back to that word equity, making sure that it's really an equitable distribution of these resources that's kind of flowing in between these two sectors of our city. And we find that very important. Yeah, I definitely think like that mechanism piece is something that we are struggling with as a city. And Mm -hmm. I think even just acknowledging that is a big step forward because a lot of the time we have all these positions and these new hires Mm -hmm. and wanting to initiate and make change, but we kind of get lost in the realm of communicating with each other. So as part of Two Blocks and trying to thrive for this initiative is we just really want to connect and and, mm-hmm. and initiate these relationships with the businesses and the schools. So we've held summits in the past and we're having one tomorrow. So we're just taking the baby steps to get everyone exposed to each other and aware of what's down the line. But with that said, do you have any last comments or anything, last remarks you want to make? No, I thank you all for thinking about this. And I think the more specific that we all can be, the better and have specific things that, you know, we want. Um, I think it's easy easier to get worked up. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us.